It's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show. Welcome. We are still doing the Prince Birthday Bash. Have been doing it since midnight. Not a whole bunch of sleep. Going, getting, getting close up on this 24 hours of playing nonstop Prince music. And uh, just so you know, I'm probably not going to turn it off. But what we've been doing, you know, all day is just spending some time with people that have uh, been close to in Prince's life. And uh, it is an honor for me to bring to you guys right now live from the MPG, Mr. Damon D. How are you, brother? I'm good, brother. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Mr. Christopher. (laughs) So what you been doing with yourself lately? Oh, man. Uh, You know, uh, you know. By, by day, we're doing that regular nine to five, but, uh, you know, I'm still, uh, but uh, my focus has been on us, uh, you know, getting out here and uh, doing some shows and uh, performing like we used to do, man. That's what we, where the focus is right now. Yeah, a lot of people don't know about this, but the uh, MPG was actually going to be, we're supposed to do a reunion for uh, some event over in California, but I guess there was some some paperwork stuff that was happening or whatever, but I yeah, guess, yeah, but yeah, I guess yeah, that, that's, that's all worked out now, right? Yeah, that 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 was uh, supposed to be in Redondo Beach uh, at some performing arts studio, school, something went wrong. I mean, we were we were all ready. Uh, we had been rehearsing and you know thinking it was going to go through, and then somehow somebody said something about the tickets and paperwork and some other stuff. And you know, you know how it goes, man. In that business, you, you know, if you don't handle the business part, the ninety-eight percent, the two percent won't ever get done. So you know, that's right. That's right. And that's the way I look at it. I mean, you know, business-wise, got to handle the paperwork and the uh, legal part of it before you can get on that stage and show them what you got. So, you know, that part didn't get done. So, you know, we just kind of keep doing what we got to do until the next thing come up. So, Right. And the next thing has now come up because you guys, yeah. the, the reunion is all settled and you guys are going to be doing a show overseas somewhere. Tell us a little bit about what's going on over there. Yeah, well, we are we are getting ready to hit the road, and uh, we'll be over in uh, first stop is uh, London. We're actually doing a show in Hyde Park. Uh, supposed to be a big thing. Phil Collins is supposed to be the headliner, doing everything over there. But we will be there actually doing our thing and spreading that Prince love, that Prince music around. So some of the fans over there that didn't get a chance to come to the celebration they just had here in April, uh, we're gonna go over there and uh, give them a taste of what they missed out on. And then we got a few other shows, a few other dates over there as well. A few other places, Paris, Hungary, folks do uh, something in Russia for a television show with an up-and-coming artist that's supposed to be over there that's like a Justin Bieber of the Russian side. So we don't know what that's going to be, but we don't, we're going to do what we do. So, <laughs> well, you I, know. I can tell you that my, my buddy and I, Rob Rhythm, he, he occasionally does uh, a lot of uh, guest DJing on here. You guys are, like, iconically known as the, the trio that does the dance in Purple Rain. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And out of all the dances that we possibly could have learned, the only one that my buddy and I mastered back in the 80s was the one that you guys do during that movie. Okay, is that, is that the bird or is that yeah. the little kick-out thing we the, do with the leg? The, the kick-out thing. Ah, okay, all right. All right, so you can't mess that up. See, you can't even mess up the bird if you're doing that. So you can do either one of those and you'll be safe. You know, sort of like that hitch thing, like that hitch movie. You know, if I kept you doing something outside of those, you, you know, might have to smack you a little bit and say, hey, 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 
Get back in the box. Get back in the box. <laughs> so was Prince involved at all in coming up with any of those kind of dance moves, or was it you? And, uh, you know, no. Nah, we, you know what? Um, you know, it was really funny because you know Prince saw us uh, uh, in Purple Rain. You know, he had. Uh, we got the opportunity to do this. So I'm going to tell you this little story of how we did get started. So Great. Prince saw us, you know, we, we did a dance contest. Me and Tony had a group. Uh, we were called To Be Rude, named after one of Prince's songs, To Be Rude. We decided to use that name. And then uh, Kurt and uh, two of his buddies had a group called V-Train. And so uh, me and Tony went down, won this dance contest at First Avenue about four times, four or five times, man, and then... Kirk them came across and then they beat us. And then, you know, we were doing a, a contest one night and they were telling uh, the judges that said, hey, you know, whoever wins this thing, you're going to have an opportunity to be in Purple Rain. Well, you know, at the time we were going Purple Rain. What, what, what is that? Oh, it's a movie they put All right, we'll do it. So we wound up, you know, getting an opportunity to be in this movie. But when we got there, they told us, hey, you know, we need you guys to help pick people to be on the set. Well, right away, you know, we were like, well, no, we've come to dance. What you talking about? And so we wind up uh, doing what they called us was Wranglers. We'd go down and pick out who looked good for a scene and have them come out there and, you know, do their little scene or whatever and go back and find some more people. We're doing one of the downtimes. You know, we were in the bathroom and there was just a bunch of guys. A couple of girls was in there with us. We were all in the men's bathroom. We were dancing clapping our hands, stomping our feet, twisting music, or they had a little boombox and just, you know, doing our thing. Uh, Prince comes into the bathroom with his bodyguard at the time, Big Chick. You know, we like, you know, stood there and looked. He stood there for a second, like watching us. And so we just kept doing it. You know, we were supposed to be quiet because it was a downtime. It was one of the times they were just getting stuff next for the next scene. And uh, he walks out. Well, right away, I followed. So I wanted to see where he was going, you know, because I knew we were supposed to be quiet. We get outside and I'm looking down this on over the railing looking for him and I see him talking to this guy and the guy's talking and they're looking up and he looks up and points at me. Well, automatically I'm a little scared because I'm wondering what is he pointing at and who is he talking to and what is he saying and stuff and I get ready to try to move back away from the rail and here comes this guy up the stairs and he's like, hey, you doing the guys dancing in the bathroom? I'm like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Prince wants to know, well, he said the kid is what he called him back then. The kid wants to know if you guys do something for him uh, uh, on one of the stones. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 that's cool. Uh, so what you got? He said, I'm going to get the uh, the cassette tape, which was, was hot back then. You don't have a cassette right, tape. Yeah. Not, not, not no CD. Right. None of the things. So he tells me he's going to go get that. And so we, had, uh, I went in the bathroom. I told Tony, I said, hey, man, uh, look, man, we get a chance to get on the scene, man. We might be able to do something. But Tony's too busy trying to get out and get in one of the scenes and stuff. And I'm like, well, man, I'll let you know when you get back up here. So I don't, uh, the guy that came to talk to me was Prince's manager, Alan Lee. I don't know if you know who Alan is. Yep. But, you know, Alan, uh, Alan came up and gave me the test. And he says, hey, there's seven songs on here. You need this done by tomorrow morning. Well, it was about 11.30, 12-ish that night. And they wanted it done by 5 the next morning. Seven songs. Seven routine. So me, Tony, Kurt, brother by the name of Everett Kimbrough back in the day, and his brother named Scott, and we all went over to Tony's mother's house, put together this dance routine, you know, for like seven songs. While we were doing the first song, the tape breaks. Oh, no. So you, 
you know what we had to do. Yeah, break you out know, the scotch back tape. Back in the day. That's right. That scotch tape and break that puppy apart. They put it back together. You know what I'm saying? So we were sitting there sweating that. Like, so, you know, we put it back together, finished the song. Must have been about four or something, man. Four, four o'clock or whatever it was. And, we, you know, everybody had to run home, change, shower, get ready to go back down there. Get back down there. We go in a room. The manager calls us and says, hey, come on. Chris says, I want to see what you guys have. And we go into this room, and it's Prince and Natan sitting in this room. They have a boom box. Put the tape in. He says, all right, let me see what y'all got. We go into, like, maybe 30 seconds of that song. And I want to say it might have been Computer Blue or something. And we hit the move, and he's like, oh, that's good. And we're like, that's it? So we walk out the room, and we hear a bunch of laughing. And they close the door. We're like, oh, man. I don't think them dudes even like what we did, man. Dang, it was only 30 seconds. Manager comes out and goes, hey, so you guys are going to be featured uh, for the rest of the movie. Just going to have you guys up there on this balcony. You might not be able to see your face, but you'll just see silhouettes of what y'all doing. So, you know, just do the songs as they come up. We were like, cool. And that's how we got in Purple Rain. Nice. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was cool. I mean, you know, I mean, we... Stayed up there the whole time. We were like the celebrity dancers, so to speak. So. Yeah, well, I, I imagine your love life was at least kind of stepped up a little bit after that, right? You were able to... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I guess it was all right. I mean, you know, I wasn't really a ladies man, so... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so a lot of people have these one-on-one experiences with Prince. Just, you know, they're moments that are yeah. yours. They're like special moments that, you know, everybody talks about. You know, when you talk about working with Prince, this is always the yeah. first story that comes to mind. What What are some some stories that you have? I know you uh, probably got a lot of them. Yeah, it, you know, there's a lot of times. I mean, you know, I mean, first of all, I mean, he he was what people to see on the outside and that whole, you know, his persona and I want to be a pro type stuff. Dude had a funny character about himself. He was he was you know he was funny. He had jokes when he wanted to be, you know, and then he talked to you about stuff that was serious at times and stuff. But uh, I believe, you know, there was a couple of times we've had conversations about stuff. I mean, you know, where he would ask me questions about what I feel about music and, you know, where do I see myself in 10 years and that kind of stuff. But I think uh, uh, for the majority of it, man, you know, one of the things that uh, we always talked about was what I brought to the group as a dancer a choreographer, and, and, and he would always, you know, push your limits to make you do better. You know what I mean? Right. You know, we had conversations about everything from religion to playing ball to, you know, you name it, man. I mean, it really wasn't just one little thing that you could actually put your hand on and say, well, this was the, 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 the most important conversation we ever had, or this was real standout. We were always talking, man. It was like different little things. I mean, like I said, religion, basketball. It didn't matter, man. You know, if you want to hold a conversation with you, talk to you about something, and it wouldn't even have to be about music most of the time. So, right now, what type of music were you listening to during this time with Purple Rain? I mean, were were you listening oh, to? Oh man, I was, I was, I was listening to like Parliament Funkadelic, Roger Troutman. Uh, you know, I was back in them days, man. Ohio Players, right. Yep. You know, the old school stuff is what yep. we were listening to. I, I grew up listening to it. Hell, I was, you know, when I was a kid, pre-teen, man, James Brown, man, I used to go to my family reunion. That's all my mom and dad and them used to do is they go get Kenny and tell them, come on out here and do a little dance for us. We're paying some money. 
Yeah. That's how I started making my first money. <laughs> <laughs> Doing James Brown. That's right. I was the exact same way. I was the exact same way with the I was listening to the same things. I mean I was listening to Lakeside and, and all that stuff back in the right, Lakeside. back in the seventies. And then when the eighties came around, um and I was listening to classic rock and roll too, just because I was in Detroit for a good chunk. But oh, yeah. once I got to but when Prince came out, especially, I would say controversy and even going into 1999. And when I heard yeah. Prince, I, I couldn't process what I was hearing. It was like, no, it, it was like yeah. he was doing something that nobody, nobody else had was done. doing. Exactly. Exactly. He had a whole different style from what was out at that time, man. And uh, I think. I think he set the bar for, you know, being, you know, everybody thought he was weird, but if you listen to his music, it was way ahead of his time. It's like, you can still listen to that now and know that back then he was already headed into the eighties and the, in the nineties. You know what I mean? He yeah. was already there. When they refer to Prince, Prince's music. Now they refer to it as like old school, but you know, it's funny that yeah. everything that's on the charts now from, well, even from Bruno Mars, Uptown Funk to the 24 karat magic stuff he's doing. This is right. all stuff that is rehashed from what Prince already did. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And, just, and, and Bruno's a bad boy. So, you know, you, you think about that. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. Know? But, you know, it, it's funny that people still love that style of music, but they still weren't given any love nowadays to Prince on the radio. But yet his style of music and everything that he's doing is still topping the charts. But this, like, oh, yeah. it was just this weird, uh, it, it was kind of hard to, hard to, fathom it's really unbelievable but yeah yeah I, I i think so too man i think it's uh so many young cats out here with the music that's being played now it's like really i mean who's really playing real music like he did you know what i mean right. really who is you know for him to be where he was unfortunately he's not here now but yeah think about it he set an unprecedented roadmap for all these young cats and to learn something from and be different, you know. He was, you know, basically he dared you to be different from what you were, and that's pretty much what he instilled in us when we got in the band. Um, you know, he was always like, you know, don't be scared to push the envelope. Don't be scared to, you know, get your name out there. Do something to make people talk about what you're doing. Yeah, he was definitely all about that. He was definitely all about crossing the boundaries and crossing I mean, the boundaries. Yes, that's one thing I learned musically. It's like you know, from everybody that I I ever listened to, and being a vocalist myself, there's always marketability in everything that Prince did. Everything from oh, yeah. the way that he named oh, yeah. bands. I mean, the whole reason why he named the time the time was because he wanted the band to be named something that people say all the time. Oh, of course, yeah. What, yeah. what, what time he was is good. it? He was creative like that. Yeah, you the, know, it's the like family, even, the time. Even, yeah, awesome. Right, even when you put when you started putting together each album we did, it, you could always watch what he was doing because he was being creative. He was coming up with, you know, what the concept was going to look like, what we were going to look like image-wise, what that music was going to, you know, be like live and what have you. And it, and it was always changing. I mean, from the time it was in the studio to the time it hit the stage, it would go through two or three different phases, man. Right. How are you? How are you going to stand out? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. How are you going to stand out? How are we going to make this? You know, with people. And, and Diamond and Pearl was a perfect example, man. I mean, uh, after we came back off the new tour, uh, we started talking about doing the album, and you know, most of that stuff was already being done while we were on the new tour. Hmm. We, it was already being 
formatted. I was always being wrote and sung and, and stuff was being done in the studio in different places in London, you Paris, you name it. We it was it was already getting done. But by the time we got back and we started, you know, took a few days off <laughs> and then jumped back in there, we started working on that album and it's it like you're sitting there listening. It was like he was a chef in the kitchen with a bunch of his uh, protégés waiting for you know, waiting for him to throw them, you know, what you need to slice up, what you going to put in the skillet, what you doing over here. And then right. he was just like the chef that's laying it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And then once it got together, man, throw that stuff in a pan and watch it get funky. <laughs> it was just greasy. <laughs> what is it like to be, to tour with, Prince. I mean, I've heard everything from, obviously he's a perfectionist. We, we obviously knew yeah, that. Definitely. But yeah. do you think it kind of was like almost borderline slave driving at time the way that he approached them? You know, Cause uh, it was like, I heard stories about like these 12, where you're playing the same song for like 12 hours and he is just getting relentless about wanting things to be a very, very specific way, which is fine. Right. He was I, I've heard all types of stories yeah. about, yeah. How, how was it touring with him? You know, we were, we were, it was rigid. Let's put it that way. Rigid. <laughs> okay. I'll put it that rigid. kind of thing. That's a good word. Everything had to be, you know, he had an idea how it was supposed to be. And if he didn't hear it, he would be on you. He didn't. I mean, all the way, everything from the music, from the way the sound guy projected it, to, you know, even when we were dancing and doing choreography, if, if I did something different than what he saw in rehearsal, he stopped and asked me, what did you do this then? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, is that what you did the first time? I'm like, well, no, I changed up. Don't do that. <laughs> like, oh, okay. All right, man, whatever. I mean, geez. I didn't know you were paying a close attention like that, you know, and it, but he did. Pay attention to everything. Yeah. The drums, the bass, the guitar player. The sound man, you know, you name it, he's paying attention to everything. He had a multi-track recorder inside of his head watching every single element of everything that was going on all at the same time. Like he was able to Mm -hmm. individually pick things out. I heard a a recording session that he did. I think it was was a long recording session. It was like a 20-minute one of a bootleg that I had heard of uh, Soul Psychedelicide. And I okay. guess so whoever was playing the drums, I can't remember who it was. It may have been Kerr. I don't remember who it was. Uh, but it was, it, he literally was talking to him about how many times he was hitting the hi-hat. You know, it was like, don't work, don't hit it so many times. Just go, don't do, you know. And he was like that, yeah. But it's almost, it's Prince's show. But I think he really kind of let up on those reins a lot. As the years went by, because I kind of, I think he kind of stepped back and said to himself, "I've established myself. People know what my expectations are about quality, but yeah. I need to kind of let people express them, let the artist and let the drummers express themselves more. Let well, them, you know, let he, them do I, their I, things. And he, the music he changed did, drastically. He, he did, he did, but he still was, even though he said he was letting them. It, trust me." He still had an influence in what he was. He was what still. He, was he still gave you that evil eye when you weren't doing. What oh he heck yeah! Oh heck yeah! <laughs> don't, don't, hit that note one more time. I, I told you not to. Well, at least it wasn't like James Brown. I saw a James Brown special where you would see him every now and then throw out like a a, a two sign on his. You know, throw out two fingers or throw out three fingers or throw out five fingers. 
And I was oh. always wondered what that was about. And I watched yeah. a special that said that, um, or Maceo said that every single time that he threw out threw out a five on his hand, that means that you got docked fifty bucks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, Chris, Chris had that same. He was that same person. So don't don't get it twisted now. Uh, <laughs> that brother. I can remember coming to rehearsal. Our very first rehearsal. Now this is one of many times we got docked. But <laughs> oh my god, I'm telling on myself now. But um, the very first tour, the very time we went out to start rehearsing for the shows, man, I was riding. Me and Tony was riding the rehearsal. We got there, you know, maybe. Not really fast to be late, but you know, two to five minutes. So we walked in, and he was sitting over there. He says, uh, "What time are we supposed to be at rehearsal?" And we're like, "Um, I don't know, man. You said you know one o'clock." He said, "What time is it now?" Like, oh, uh, you know, it's about five after." He said, uh, and he turns around to one of the body guys and go, "Dock them fifty dollars right now." And we were like looking at him going. I ain't even got a check from you yet. What are you talking about, <laughs> Dr. <Doctor> brother? <laughs> That's what kind of brother he was, you know. But that, but but he was he was good for that, you know, cueing, you know, like you have to pay attention to him. If you're on stage and you're not paying attention to what he's doing, and you happen to be moving or something when the when he's like do a hit and and you're still moving after you hit that hit and he's throwing his hand. Oh yeah, he's docking you. He, he already calculated who he's getting. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, it was brutal. You, you had to make sure you was on point. Oh, my gosh. You knew, not to, you knew not to mess up. I mean, you just knew if you messed up, you were going to get docked, and you were going to get talked to about it. Mm. So so what, what's the harshest talking to you ever got from him directly? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there was that many of them. Um, <laughs> I, I won't. I won't necessarily get into none of the juicy ones, but you know, I mean, that was, we we he he docked us once. I remember we were in Toronto. We did a show, and he called himself. What he said to us, he was calming his woman down, and we got her aroused again, so she had to take her panties off again. Is what he said. That's the way he, he phrased it to us. <laughs> so, in other words, we were doing this show. He did the song and then we went backstage and put on some Toronto Maple Leaf shirts like the you know them uh you know jerseys. Yeah. And we came out and we were on a stage and one person on the other end, one on the other end and one on top. And the crowd went crazy. They were like screaming and we dancing and stuff and he turns around and he looked. So he said, Alright. So he said something on the mic and we didn't quite catch it. And then when we came off the stage he goes, um so you gotta decide you're gonna come out and get my woman all hot again, right? And we're like, what? What, what are you talking about? He's like, turns around and one of the body guy, Doc Tony Damon and Kirk a hundred dollars. Oh. He's like, for, for what? He's like, I had him, I had her calm down, and you guys got her all excited again. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. You're affecting his, yeah. you're affecting his crowd control, is what you're doing. <laughs> well, yeah. In other, in other words, when he's controlling the crowd, don't you come out there doing nothing, you know, to get people all excited again. You yeah, know what he's doing. So. Well, you can actually hear that in his set list, too. There's a very, very distinct ride that he takes you on. You know, he takes you up, and then he calms you down, and then he takes you up, and then he calms you down. And if you, you down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah I, I can see that if you screw up that balance, that's 
that's you're gonna get docked, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you get docked. Oh, you will get docked. Trust me. <laughs> and he don't. And he don't have a problem throwing out the numbers either. Gosh, that's incredible. That's incredible. And it was, it was just, you know, but you had to be, I mean, but it made you aware of everything. You knew, I mean, you know, that was one of the things we learned. Like, you know, pay attention, stay in your lane in some places, you know, until he gives you the range to jump out there and do what you need to do. You know, take it in and then step yourself back and don't be messing up. Don't do, don't do nothing you ain't supposed to be doing. <laughs> in a heartbeat. I can remember him missing missing a lyric in one of the shows we did, uh, and I was doing like the solo thing dancing, and he was on the mic. And I guess you know we had been doing this show, you know, and it's been you know weeks into it or whatever. And he, and I did something different, and he turned around and he sung the same line. Well, now I'm listening, going, wait a minute, did I miss a move or something? And and he comes off the stage, he goes. Uh, what did you do? What did you do on that part right there? And I was like, what? So he had he had me come to his dressing room. So he's showing me, you know, because he records everything. He records everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the room, and he goes, he says, what were you doing right here? And I go, um, okay. I said I was doing this stuff. He says, is that what you normally do? I was like, nah. I kind of added something else. And he says, well, that's why I sung that twice. And then he turns around to the body guy, and he looked over there. They docked him in two hundred dollars. I looked at him and going, wait a minute, you're docking me because, I said, well, I was the only one dancing, so I said, thought I'd be creative and do something different. (laughs) He said, your creativity threw me off. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, he was rough, man. He was rough. Well, you know, it's funny because on his very last show, um, I think it was his first, yeah, the 10 p.m. show that he did in Atlanta on the Prince Piano and a Microphone, Okay. Um, there was some lit, there, there was like, um, it wasn't a, I can't remember what song it was, but it was one of like, like pop life or something like that. But one of the songs that he was playing and he, oh, was a uh, raspberry beret. And he totally messed up the lyrics as he was, as he was doing really? the song really? because the whole audience was singing along and it was very obvious that he skipped like two lines out of, out of the song. And I was oh, thinking okay. to myself, you know, I'd never heard Prince, like, legitimately, you know, mess up Missing a lyric it. or, or, or mess it. it. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I, I always wondered what happened live when not only, you know, obviously when it's just him, he can make yeah. the whole audience feel like, no, no, you got it wrong, I'm right. <laughs> you know? Right, right. But, and then you can show where, where, where like, like, you wouldn't, nobody else caught that he did that when we were doing the, the live show, you know. Right. Uh, nobody else caught it, but he definitely made sure he let you know that you made him do it. So, yeah, <laughs> you made when, me do that. When you got background vocals and you're singing a part and or, or singing the wrong part, and the background vocals are doing something else, it's very obvious yeah. that something is wrong. Something is wrong, right? So, exactly. You know, exactly. So, so how how do you exactly deal with that? Do you just kind of you just have to really, really pay attention to to your in ear monitors and and kind of see where he's going well, and just wherever he goes, where did, you go. We didn't have we didn't have the the monitors like that. Yeah, the wedge. you know like they like these like these guys have the monitors with the music with the lyrics rolling for them. We didn't have that. You better remember your lyrics. <laughs> if I'm because talking about like don't. audibly hearing what he's doing, you know, are you like really paying attention to making sure that you're singing along with him? 
know, exactly. if, if you're, yeah, this is crazy. Woof. <laughs> yeah, you, you you have to remember your lyrics and you have to be on top of it. And, I, and that's just one of them things he, he made sure, uh, is, you know, learn your lyrics. And he would say that to even some of them singers that would come around. He'd say, you know, just always learn your lyrics. Learn what you're supposed to sing. Don't, you know, don't come in here and don't know what you're doing. Yeah, he was. So uh, he would be the first to let you know. Well, you know, one of the interesting things I saw is that Purple Rain is probably the only tour that I ever saw him in. The first concert I ever saw was 1999 uh, in Atlanta. And, um, but with Purple Rain, that was the first concert I had ever seen him do, not just because I'd only seen one, but even moving forward and looking back, that the show was exactly the same every single night. Every single night, from the very first song that he did to the very last song that he did, the set list was exactly the same. That was never the case moving forward. No, he would always no. pull. You would have to, from, and, and you can tell me whether or not this story is true or not, but he would, you would be required to learn, you know, upwards of, you know, whatever his library was at the time that he was pulling from. It could be oh, like a yeah. hundred songs that you would have to know that he could throw oh, yeah. in on a moment's yeah. notice. Yeah, yeah, by all means. You, uh, he would, he would, when we rehearse, we rehearse an eight-hour day, you you know you're getting almost everything he could possibly throw in just in case we're doing a show, which was always the case, something would change every night. He'd get a different feeling. Okay, we're doing this tonight. And he'd, t- he'd bring you the set list. It might be, you know, you might we might do a two and a two and a half hour show or a two hour and fifty minute show. He'll change, you know, he'll change ten songs in a heartbeat, mm. and say, "This is what we're doing tonight. This song here, this song here, this song here, this song here." And you're like, "Ah, me." But the good thing was we rehearsed that way. Right. We rehearsed that way every day. You, 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 there wasn't a song that you didn't do that you didn't know by the time you got ready to get on the road. Mm. That's... You know, when they, when they say you, you, you kind of do the whole library, yeah, you do kind of do the whole library. Yeah. Oof. That's and he made sure. It was grueling, man. I mean, you know, just think, you're sitting in a rehearsal for eight, eight hours, man. It wasn't just one song. It wasn't just we're going over this song over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, you're going over all of them. And you're going to take your time and learn it. Mm. And I felt, you know, I felt really bad for like the keyboard players because they did the bulk of the work. Hmm. He was on, he'd be on the keyboard players, man. They had to have all their samples right. They had to have all the stuff that he, you know, that he needed for certain sounds and different stuff. Please, guitar techs, y'all better be, y'all better make sure you're on point. Oh, I couldn't imagine being a guitar tech for Prince. I couldn't oh, imagine man. doing anything like running sound for Prince or lights for Prince. That would be uh, oh, look, we oh. we did a show. We did a show one year, and the guy they brought this light guy out, a sound guy, I should say, and had him doing you know the sound. We came to sound check, and the dude was doing his thing, and Prince kept asking him to turn this up and turn this down and take something. And, he, and all of a sudden, Prince went down there to the, where he was, like walked. You know, we was in a stadium, so we, we, he kind of walked a long way. He went out there where dude was. He was talking to him on the mic. He said, do you hear that? Are you listening to what you're doing? And he kept talking to him, and we were going, uh-oh. 
Uh-oh. And <laughs> next thing we know, dude, he had dude on a flight leaving. Who they get to do sound? They found some other dude to come do sound because he didn't like that dude and, and just got rid of him right then. I I believe it. I, I could yeah. Oh man, I believe it. Oh, it was, it was brutal, man. It was brutal. We were sitting there going, "Oh man, he just sent that dude home, like right now, just like get him out of here, get him out of my face." <laughs> there's there's lots of horrible horrible sound guys that are out there and i i could only imagine that prince probably crossed paths with a few of them that uh i can imagine yeah i bet they probably you probably got people changing career paths once he got a hold of them <laughs> <laughs> look you either changing your career path or you're or, or you're doubting what your what your ability is right, to exactly. do that job <laughs> I thought I was good, and then Prince. Yeah, I thought I was good, exactly. <laughs> dude, I mean, dude, it was, it was, uh, he was a perfectionist for the most part, dude, but he, he knew what he wanted to hear, and he, and he knew that if, you were, if you're supposed to be the best at what you're doing, then you're going to be the best, So you heard, he's going to bring it out of you. Yeah, it is. So you heard a lot of music. You had to, you know, you were obviously performing, you know, during a really – uh, the new tour was a really kind of strange, you know, it, we see he was still big, um, but, you know, yeah. a, a lot of the attention that he had been getting from, uh, you know, during, you know, obviously his heyday had really kind of lightened up. But you had pretty much access to a massive library at this point of all the things that he had done. What was one of your favorite songs to perform? Oh, my. Wow. Um, geez. I'm going to say it was stuff from the Diamond and Pearls. I love doing Get Off. I love doing Cream, Sexy MF. We'd get real funky at the end of the night, and we did Jughead, which was one of the songs we <laughs> we got a chance to really do an upbeat song and where we were just kind of wilding out toward the end of the show. So, so many songs. Well, why don't we do that? Let's play uh, Let's play Jughead right now uh -oh. on uh, uh -oh. Funked Up, and uh, we'll come back with Damon D. Don't Go Anywhere. Uh, I'm sure he's got a couple more stories to tell, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, MPG reunion that's happening overseas. So yeah. right here on Funked Up, it's Jughead. Jughead. Mm -hmm. The hell was that?
Companies say that you need them. Not me. But I kick back, observe, and watch them bleed them. Honest. Artists, young and old. I can bring you Where to the top. Where does unwritten law come from anyway? That years after the contract, you should still be getting paid. Boy, I go broke and hit the skids before I take care of a rich sucker's kids. My Hell, contract, contract ain't no pension plan. My years contract. after this, my kids are still gonna make the grants. Tony, and you laugh you. at my brother, Little Richard, when he says you ain't gave him nothing. Let's leave him out Hell, of this. Hell, I ain't no joke. His songs are still selling that man could die broke. So, fellow artists, push for yours. You need And me. watch for Mr. Money Minder. As we settle the score, Tony. Oh. And it's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show, and we are on the Funked Up app having Prince Birthday Bash, and we were sitting here talking with Damon D of NPG, and then all of a sudden we got a special guest in the house, and now we have a conference call with not only Damon D but also Mr. Tony. Hey, what's up, buddy? What's happening, Sam? How you doing? What? I can't believe it. <laughs> what is going on? Tony M in the house, as well as Damon I don't D. Know, man. It, it's amazing. So what, it's what birthday, do you get? It's the birthday bash, man. It's the birthday bash. <laughs> it, it is the birthday bash, man. So so what have you been doing today to celebrate the, the big day? For me, myself, it's just kind of been, you know, rem- remembering, you know, good times, bad times, laughs, you know, uh, times we laughed, times we even talked about people, but... You know, just you know, just remembrance for for the most part. You know, uh, yeah. 
when I think about him and the time uh, that, that, you know, James and I spent with him, you know, that's how I'm celebrating it right now. I'm, you know, I'm not yeah. jumping around to a bunch of parties or anything like that. It's more me, myself, and I just kind of remember the times that we had together. And uh, that's how I'm going yeah. it. And you're yeah. chatting with that purple family out there. So that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, I've just been kind of doing the same. I mean, there's so many things going on around the cities and all over all over the world here, you know, people having their parties. So, you know, you just kind of, I don't really go to all that stuff. Just kind of sit at home and think about, you know, how I got to be a part of all that and, and, and you know, just remember him for who he was. He was a funny cat, you know. He had his, had his days where he had you cracking up and then he had his days where he serious. So you just kind of reminisce on, you know, all the time you had a chance to conversate with him and what happened, you know, and learn something, pick his brain, you know what I mean? Why is it that you don't go out to any of the, the events? Is it just because you're 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 still not ready or what what's what's the feeling? Um wow. I, I mean I you know, I just I just sometimes when you go to them things it's almost like you take away from what's going on, you know what I mean? And and then everybody's kinda on you, uh, sort of speak so if somebody's having a show, like we know some people here that are doing shows tonight or whatever, and if you pop up there, then everybody's, you know, their eyes are on you instead of, you know, being there for the show that they're trying to see. For me, I just, you know, I just kind of give that respect to whoever the band is and whatever they're doing in that sense. You know what I mean? So, uh, for me, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be in the limelight of it. I just, I'd like to be in the cut. You know what I mean? Well, I think just kind of like now, you know, people just need to have kind of people like to hear stories and people, you know, like to reminisce about, you know, how, how great this cat was. And I, I was talking earlier with Dewan Elliott and we were chatting about that there is not there has not been nor will there ever be anybody like Prince was not with the volume of music that he did, not with the amount of musicians and bands that he not only helped create, but you know, established the career for, the outreach that he did, both under the radar and on the radar with, you know, not only just social efforts and social consciousness, but just with the positivity messages that he had. And and I, I can't even think, I can't think of any artist that has accomplished more than he has in his short lifetime. And I can't, it's, it's really difficult to wrap your head around somebody like that. So I can't imagine what it's like for you guys to be able to work with somebody like that. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you said it best that there will never be another. I like him. He was a state media that came into our lifetime for but a flash, man, and uh, dropped so much enlightenment and knowledge on him. And uh, for us to be around that situation of leaving, uh, you to grow up in that generation to be able to appreciate what he did, it, um, like I said, it's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. You won't see another one. No, I, I don't. Yeah, it'll never be another one like him for sure. And and what is um, some of the? Um, I, I know there's got to be every single time when people hear that you know Tony, you specifically, because we I already asked Damon this question early, but you know whenever somebody talks about your your working with Prince, there's 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 always got to be a story that you always go to, a, a story that you love to tell about uh, a personal one-on-one -on -one experience with Prince. This is obviously a, a great uh, soapbox to, to do it on, but what, what kind of great stories do you have about Prince that really had a, a major impact on your life? Um, let's see. One in particular would be uh, when we were uh, beginning a transition 
uh, to move our generation, and we are working on the gold maker LP. Um, we've been building uh, Diamonds and Pearls and seven. Thanks for preparing me, you know, for uh, for a role or for something afterwards. You know, he kept saying, Tony, you're bigger than this, you know, um, he's been of the stratosphere, man, that's what we're shooting for. And it was hard for me to grasp, you know, to grasp my head around that. I was in the moment, right? Being in his shadow, um, and he was trying to push me out of that shadow. And uh, again, right? And think about how you would write for yourself, how, what type of message do you want to send? And I think that was part of, I, I don't want to say my demise, but I, I want to say my, probably my growth is that, you know, certain things that we were recording on, on, on that Gold Nigger LP were, you know, a lot of jam sessions we were having fun, but, you know, at the same time, we I never felt like we had an opportunity to sit down and think about our direction uh, as a band without right. having some fun. So, um, you know, um, we had some we had some differences, you know, uh, to be truthful. And, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that everyone was involved in this, and it wasn't a situation like a flight time. Um, where, you know, Prince Moore wrote everything. And basically, Jimmy and the hired guns, and he came in and, and basically played. Uh, everybody wanted to contribute, and I felt like everybody should have contributed to that LP. Hmm. So do you think that you think that you got where Prince envisioned you being, or are you still working on um, it? You know, I am who I am as a man. I, I've gotten to where I want to be as a man, uh, as far as with my kids and my family and, and my personal growth. From the entertainment industry, I think I, I, I rolled what it was. Uh, again, I wasn't caught up into trying to make that a career for a lifetime. I love performing. I don't like the industry. So uh, at, at that point, it was time, you know, I figured it was time for me to transition. I think Damon thought the same thing. Uh, and, yeah. you know, how did you make that transition? So for me, I think, you know, I rolled for what it was. Uh, you go in knowing that you probably had your 15, 20 minutes of fame, however long that is. As he changes so much, uh, you know, you get what you get and, you know, enjoy the ride and be privileged. Right. And you yeah, guys had an opportunity. Much. Yeah, you guys pretty had an much. opportunity to be a part of something really, really great. It was a very unusual time for, for Prince in that regard because some of the things that he did during that particular era, that, that whole, you know, starting from Diamonds and Pearls and moving forward even a few years, it was a really sweet spot for you guys because what the music that he was doing and the style that he was leaning towards really kind of accentuated your strengths. And, and I think it was, it was a very, very cool, um, it was a very cool and, and opportune time for you, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Go ahead, Dave. Why don't you jump in? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, that old Diamond and Pearl thing, like I said earlier, man, I mean, he knew what he wanted to do, man. It was like, he was like a chef going into this kitchen, man. He, he knew exactly what he wanted us to look like. He knew what the music wanted to be like. You know, and he wanted to make sure it came across visually the way he wanted to see it and, and musically. Everything from, you know, how the, how the bass is being played, the drums being played, the keyboards is playing, and, and what we look like visually on stage. I mean, like I said, he had a stage for everything, and it was just, it was just this massive piece of art that he was always, but it was, while we were on the new tour, we were getting ready for these things. You know what I mean? It was like, like I said, they were, we were recording in other places, man, before we even got back home. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, and, and I was so glad to hear that uh, you guys are actually doing a reunion. I heard that you guys were going to be doing one over in, uh, I guess, Redondo Beach, like Damon had said earlier. But there was some, you know, paperwork snafus and everything. But now everything is worked out. 
And uh, I kind of want to revisit that some because you guys are doing the reunion overseas. Tell me a little bit about that process and exactly what's going to happen. What, what are you guys performing and what can people expect to see when they see you over there? I guess you can call it a reunion. It's more of a kind of a tribute to our era in time uh, with Prince. Uh, I want to clarify one thing that I've kind of been hearing is that, you know, you know, there are various tribute bands out there. We are not a tribute band. We are part of, a, a, of an original group who uh, was able to collaborate and uh, during a special time with Prince. So when I, you know, when I see people talking about calling the revolution a tribute band or calling MPG a, a tribute band, uh, to me, that's uh, that kind of belittles uh, what he did and what he uh, cultivated uh, during those times. So now, you know, now it's on. We're getting ready to head over to, to Europe for, for quite a few shows. We, uh, we start in London at Hyde Park. Then we, uh, I think we have a couple, we have an after show or, or something like that, then the club shows. After that yeah. one, then we get uh, to Belgium. Yeah, the one in the one in London. Uh, we're, we're actually doing the one the, the main show, uh, and then we're supposed to do it's like a uh, and, and I guess we can talk about it. Now. I'm supposed to do one show that's going to be done uh, at a club or something, um, um, and it's just going to yeah. be a smaller one than than what we're doing on the bigger scale with the uh, outdoors thing. So uh, we do. I think it's, it's two shows there, right? The first, yeah. The, yeah, I can't remember the, if it was one or two. I know. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, we have a couple shows in London, then we move to Belgium, and we have a one off in Belgium. Uh, then I think we go to Zurich, possible, in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, right. After that, we head to Paris. And then from Paris, we head to, uh, I believe it's St. Petersburg, yeah. uh, Russia, which is going to be kind of cool. Right. Uh, and and then, uh, yeah, Hungary, and then uh, Portugal. Lisbon, in Portugal. Portugal, yeah. So, um, again, we, uh, there's no days. Our day off is a travel day. Uh, what you can expect is uh, a hype show. I mean, right now, uh, I don't know, there were probably a lot of people out here listening right now who, who had the purpose of, of, of joining us at the celebration at KZ Park or even at the, um, the tribute concert uh, at the XL Center earlier, uh, or later last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, just that energy that the NPG brings, uh, that's what you can expect. Uh, we're going to delve back. We're going to touch on some uh, some of his favorites, some of our favorites, and you know, and then uh, definitely uh, throughout the era, uh, the gold experience, uh, Exodus, uh, Gold Nigger, Diamonds and Pearls, Symbol album. I mean, we've got a got a plethora of things that we can touch on. Believe me, it's going to be a decent show. Are you going to have a backup band for, for all of these uh, shows that we're doing over in Europe? Yes. No, actually, I mean, we we are the band. We are the band. Yeah. There's no backup, man. I mean, you know, we're, no, we're, no, we're doing no. and we're doing festivals. Uh, so you know, it's kind of a you know, quick in, quick out. Uh, what the unique thing, and we're hoping that we can do, and we were able to lock in a couple things with the uh, with the personal souls. You know, I've been hearing and seeing some feedback about when is MPG going to do their own and not like a a, a backup to Phil Collins or you know just doing their own set. You know, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to touch on a couple of those. One in uh, London and then uh, one in Rotterdam also. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. So is, is there any possibility this is coming stateside or is, or are we just kind of taking it a step at a time right now? Oh, man, I hope and pray, man. We, we, I, think, I think that's what uh, ICM is working on, putting some packaging and stuff together for what, uh, in November? Yeah, uh, I think so. They were yeah. talking that, that, you know, and there's people been asking about, you know, us doing stuff in stateside and that, and there's a couple of uh, uh, promoters that have contacted. I, I know I've had somebody contact me uh, yesterday, and, and 
uh, I've sent them the information, you know, to the management. So, you know, we definitely want to do a statewide tour. I, I don't see why we have shouldn't, um, you know. We have to. We have to. Yeah, I just can't figure out why all these. You got people in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, well, you got so many of these individual Chicago, projects that are all working LA. together. Yeah, you got more. You got you know, you know, more stay in the time doing their own thing. Sheila E doing her own thing. The Revolution doing their own thing. You guys doing your own yeah. thing. It just seems like mm-hmm. the perfect recipe would be put all of you guys together in like a type of just a huge tour and really do it right. I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, I, I mean, I know that you guys all have different styles, thing. but that would be that would be a beautiful thing. That'd be a really beautiful thing. Uh, and. People would pay top dollar to see that for you sure. Know, I, and I, you would pay. You would sell out auditoriums across the country. But right. I, that's um, my I think that was uh, that was that was our hope at the very at the very beginning. It was interesting, um, you know, as things started to unfold. I, I think you saw factions kind of doing, you know, what they were going to do, and uh, you wanted to be able to, you know, come together as 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 this overall family, not just the NPG family, not just the revolution. You know, um, you know, Sid and E, even you know, with uh, with Nico and and, and Kat and and you know, Atlanta Bliss and all, and just everybody come together for one big. You know, I don't care if it's if it's ten shows we could do, but whatever we could could afford together, it'd be a beautiful thing. So, um, uh, and we're not we're not adverse to it at all. We would love to be able to do something like that. I think it's just a matter of uh, uh, of the timing for everyone, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, everybody's trying, you know, put put food on the table. I get it. Uh, but it would be beautiful if we could pull something like that off together. Yeah, we, I mean, you know, it ain't like we we hadn't tried. I mean, we, we went out to try to do that, and, you know, everybody was in their own world of what they wanted to do. So you can only ask people. You know, you can't lead a horse to the water and make them drink it. You can only lead them to it, right? So, yeah. Well, we got to make some phone calls. We got to make some phone calls to make this happen. I will be the negotiator. I'm going to make this happen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Even if I have to trap all you guys on a cruise ship and make it like a, a, a purple cruise. <laughs> hey, there's an idea right there. All right, we got to keep it on land. I got it. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might want to keep that online because you know this brother right here don't fare well with water. <laughs> I, I only fare well with it when I'm in the shower. I ain't trying to be in a big old ocean of it. <laughs> oh, man. There's a reason I'm in Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ten thousand lakes up in this one. Ten thousand lakes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I hope that everybody listening here that is listening overseas and we got people uh, I'm looking online right now. I'm seeing people over in Italy. I'm seeing people in Paris. I'm seeing people in London. I'm seeing people that are listening right now in a lot of the places that you guys are planning to hit. When do these dates start for this uh, for this reunion? And uh, we end up in Hungary on the 15th of July. So we have about a three-week run. We're going to go out and uh, hit as many places as we can. And uh, uh, if everything goes well, we'll be right back at it uh, very soon. Now, do, yeah. you, do you guys yeah. have a central location where people can get tickets at? 
Um, you know what I think? I think what's happening is that they hit the the, the page where uh, where we're talking, where they got the schedules up. I believe each place, if you go on to one of them, I believe they 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 got like individual for each each place we're going that has ticket sales or where it's going to be sold at or what have you. And where can people see that schedule at? I think you can go on to our uh, NCG Facebook page. Um, yep. And I know probably a lot of people that are listening right now all over the world, a lot of them have, have dialed in, have, uh, have come to our page, and, and that's where they're finding all of our information at right now. Uh, I think you can go out there, or, you know, or if you don't, go to look up NCG, original NCG on Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, you can send notes out to our manager, Jill Willis. And uh, otherwise, the full schedule is out there, posters live, and uh, everything. You can see all of the shows listed. The only one that is not listed on there right now, which was just added yesterday, was the show in Belgium. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear about you guys getting back together. We are going to. I'm serious about making some phone calls and getting you guys some situated uh, uh, gigs (laughs) over here in the states, man. We have we have to see this. I I mean, I I can appreciate it for those guys over there, but we we need it over here in the states just as much. And thank you guys so much for uh, taking the time to 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 join, man. Yeah, 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 man. So Damon called out. Yeah, Damon called out Jughead before we went into the last break. And, and before you guys leave, any particular song, Tony, you want me to put on to, to close us out? Uh, let's close out with Call the Law. Call the Law, baby. Call the Law. All right, well, you heard it. I appreciate you guys taking some time. We are right here doing the uh, Prince Birthday Bash on Funked Up. We've been doing it since midnight, since 12.01 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, playing all of Prince's stuff, and it ain't stopping right now but however we wanted to take some time out to say a major thank you to both damon d and tony m for coming and joining us it is an honor honor for you guys uh, to be here and thank you so much and uh man if you know where they're going to be and they're going to be playing if mpg is going to be playing anywhere close to you you make sure that you grab those tickets now before they sell out please 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 go and check these guys out Again, thank come you guys out, so much y'all. for joining yes, us, man. Sir, come on out. Come on out. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys right, later. Man, Thanks for having us. Not a problem. Back to the Prince Birthday Bash right here on Funked Up. Step, step to the mic. Huh. Not yet. Step, step to the mic. Huh. Step to the mic, a taste the hype, it's manifested, this blessed gift, I have to bring it right, so let me dive right in, where do I begin, hmm, well, let me call the law, we're getting busy y'all, call the law, we're getting busy y'all, Summer on the scene and my people get busy frying up the bird. Word, whoever heard 
of a party being ready without a money making pound of spaghetti. Yeah, what you laughing at? I'm selling liquor for some plates at seven dollars a crack, and that's profitable. And for a sucker like you, that's a mouthful. Hmm, you'd rather call the law, cause we getting extreme. Pick it up, Pete. Call the law. Yeah, you better call the law. We're getting busy, y'all. 